and I was like, oh my God, it works for me too. You're working towards a goal when you're a founder and no one else is gonna pick up the slack if you don't pull your weight. Yeah, you'll work from bed when you pick your laptop up at 5 a.m. after going to bed at 1 a.m. Yes, now we have customers, now we have products. Now I can use my skill set to actually grow this business. Hi, I'm Erin Deering and you're listening to The Work. I get asked all the time, should I be a founder and start my own business or should I stay as a careerist? Now, in this episode, I'll unpack how I went from being a career girl into becoming a founder, the pros and cons of each, and the questions you need to ask yourself to make a decision. Many of you probably are thinking that I was an entrepreneur, a founder from day one, but I never actually really thought about starting a business before Triangle. And I always thought I would just be a careerist and I would work my way up in businesses and companies. I worked, or I actually started working at 18 and I worked in retail, in fashion, in head office. I worked, gosh, I worked at, (laughs) the list is really long, so I'm just gonna lose a couple of them. I worked at Witchery, I worked at Maya, I worked at Bardo, I worked at Supray, I worked at Sports Girl. I worked, where where didn't, maybe I should just list where didn't I work? Uh, I was a real retail girl, Bettina Liano, Roy. Then I went more into head office. And I actually, one of the most pivotal kind of careerist, I think, moments for me were when I got a job at Maya. So I had been working prior to Maya at a small wholesale jewelry business, kind of in their marketing product development team. I had the most incredible boss, Philip. He taught me everything I knew. And then I decided to leave. I decided to go to Maya. I'm going to read you a little chapter, not a chapter, but a passage from my memoir, Hanging by a Thread. And it'll kind of explain the little Maya process for you. Let's get into story time. All right, it's very serious. I took a role as a production development assistant at Maya, Australia's largest retailer in the underwear department, right next to fashion. I was getting closer to where I wanted to be. The office was brand new and in the city and it felt exciting, like I was a real adult. Being a large company meant roles were very defined and there wasn't much movement outside of them. I spent my days inputting orders into the computer system and occasionally assisting the senior buyer on range showing days. It was hideously boring. I tried to tell myself that this was all for a bigger cause and that I would be able to be promoted far easier in a company this size. But at the end of the day, it was a corporate company and it was absolutely not suited to me. This was quite a big realization but one I was grateful to have experienced early on in my career. By the time I quit only five months into the job, my desire to be a buyer had completely evaporated and instead I turned my focus to the new world growing rapidly online. So before I took the Maya role, as I said, I was in a marketing product development kind of role at a jewelry wholesaler. So I had gone into, I started off working in retail on the shop floor. I had these big vision, big dreams to become a buyer. I thought it was really glamorous. I thought I was just gonna travel the world and buy clothes and wear clothes and look fabulous and be fabulous. But as anyone who knows what buying is actually like, it is a lot of data entry, a lot of spreadsheets, a lot of planning. 
you do those trips, but they're like really small parts of the job. So I still wanted to be a buyer when I left this jewelry company and when I went to Maya. And I thought this is gonna be the best, quickest way for me to accelerate my career. I thought, you know, Maya's a big company. There's so many roles I can go into. You know, I had these like huge dreams of being one day the CEO or one day being the operations manager. I actually even checked who all these roles, all the C-suite roles were to see, you know, who, where they come from and how they do it and can I get up there. I really was such a careerist until I got to Maya and I did this role and I saw what these companies were like and they were dull. You know, they were really boring. They really killed my creativity. I used to do my work and have all my little Tumblr blogs up on, on little windows. And so I'd like put my little like data entry in for half an hour and then I look at a blog for 15 minutes because that's the only thing that fed my creativity and made me feel still part of fashion, still part of being creative. So five months later I left. I actually went back to a even, I went back to an even smaller business. A friend of mine was a founder. She's a true entrepreneur. She has two businesses. She has one now, she's very well known. She has Realization Pa. Um, Teal Talbot, I love her. This girl's like creative through and through. Working for her, she was in Bali, I was in Melbourne, but still working under someone that creative started to really make me feel a bit different about what I was doing. This whole careerist, climbing the corporate ladder, going into a C-suite role suddenly felt very limited and very limiting. So I started working for her and I started learning so much about this small business founder land and it became very, very exciting and interesting and I pretty much had a complete shift in what I wanted to do. So I was working for this small business and I was loving it. I was in a customer care role. I was building out their sort of online store. It was so exciting. I felt like I had ownership over what I was doing. So it was very much more in terms of what a founder is like rather than the more corporate Maya role where I was working under someone. I felt like I was able to own this role. Now I met Craig pretty much at the same time as I was working in this role. And he is an entrepreneur. He is true founder. He'd had a business. He was looking to start another one. I was kind of dipping my toe into thinking maybe this was where I was gonna go. And then Triangle became this, well, even just the idea of having a bikini, swimwear, business, doing it ourselves, it was all new to me, very exciting. So we started talking about it, we started working on it. We were in Melbourne, so we knew we had limitations on us in Melbourne. You know, I had a full-time job, Craig had a full-time job. We weren't quite sure how we were going to do this triangle thing on the side. It was really slow and clunky. We were sampling overseas already at this point, just initially coming up with logos as well. Craig was doing that at home. We moved in together really early, like two months after we met. And we were just like feeling it out. And what we were noticing is that it was going to be super hard for us to really sink our you know teeth into triangle whilst we were in Melbourne with full-time jobs I know the side hustle is kind of a thing that people like to do but I personally knew that I wanted to go wholeheartedly you know jump in the deep end with what we were doing so we decided to move to Hong Kong and I don't want to say that too flippantly but it really was quite a flippant decision where Craig said I think we should just move to Hong Kong and then the sampling will be quicker and then we can focus on it and let's just sell all that stuff and let's just do it. I was 27, so I had, I was like, okay, <laughs> why not? 
what what could go wrong you know I just was so excited at the prospect of you know moving away from that corporate careerist mentality that was still kind of hanging around my parents definitely liked the careerist side of of what I was doing they weren't as comfortable or as you know like big thumbs up to me being a founder and starting a business when I'd never done anything like that before or even mentioned that I wanted to do anything like that before but we decided to do it. We actually made the decision in April 2012 to move to Hong Kong and we got on a plane on the first day of June 2012. So wasn't really much time to, I had to quit my job. We had to sell all our things on eBay. We spent the last five, six weeks before leaving or that whole five, six weeks before leaving, having people come to the house, buy our things, take them. So by the end of it, we were like sleeping on a mattress in a room which to be honest was kind of what Hong Kong was like so it wasn't too much of a shift to go from Melbourne to Hong Kong because we got to Hong Kong and it was a mattress on a floor in a room (laughs) but a lot more promise about being in Hong Kong for sure. So when we got to Hong Kong and moved into our little studio apartment and started to make it our home it was very confronting. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what to do. My background was customer care. We didn't actually have a brand yet. My background was marketing. We didn't have anything to market yet. So Craig really took on a lot of that initial six month sort of period of getting the business ready. And I just tagged along beside him, you know, doing my bit. It was definitely more 70, 30 in the start. So I wasn't, I wouldn't even really consider myself a founder or an entrepreneur during that time because I was just watching a founder do his thing and learning how a founder does his thing. And then once the business started in the very beginning of 2013 was when I was able to be like, yes, now we have customers, now we have product, now I can use my skill set to actually, you know, grow this business and set this business up. I am both a careerist and a founder. I've had the blessing and the curse to be both. So as a careerist, I thought that the corporate road was the more appealing road. It was gonna lead to more success. It was gonna lead to more achievements, more fulfillment, more more opportunities, more everything. I left my job to go to my thinking it was a step up. And what I realized was it was actually a step back. And so I think for a lot of careerists, you're kind of reaching this 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 goal or there's this, you know, subconscious kind of thought that the big companies are the ones where you're really going to get the biggest growth and you're going to really pave the way and be seen. And it's but you know, it's not a backward step to work for a small business as a careerist. And it's it's it could be a great way to, you know, for me Working in a small business as a careerist, I still had autonomy over my roles. I had direct relationships with the people that ran that business. So I was able to be creative. I was able to think outside the square. I so remember at Maya just being like, wow, now I understand what that red tape meaning is. I understand what it means, that bureaucracy of a company where it's just, these are the way that things are done. And you're like, but that's not that's really silly. And they're like, oh, this has been enough for 30 years. And you're like, okay, wow, okay, cool. You know, that doesn't happen in a small business. Careerists can really thrive in a small business because careerists can also bring some structure to a small business where a small business is really lacking that structure. They're really lacking that infrastructure. Definitely don't think being a careerist going into a small business is a step back. And if you're in a small business as a careerist, don't see moving into a bigger corporation as the end goal, because for me especially, it was a dead end. And I definitely had to get out so quickly. It was five months, it didn't look that great on my resume, but 
in the end it didn't actually matter. To everyone that kind of wants to start a business and people that want to be founders and they, I get you know asked this question so often, like what do you do first and how do you start a business and I really want to do this and I have an idea or I don't have an idea yet but I really want to work for myself. You know, when you have a business, at the start of that business, you have to be insane. You know, you have to be mad. You have to be crazy. We moved to another country that I'd never visited before with no money. We had the money that we, and it was so dumb too, because in our heads we were like, oh, we'll sell everything we have, which was $10,000 in the end. That's what we made. And we were like, that's so much money. Amazing. And we, this is how dumb we were. We totally forgot about the fact that we needed to live as well as make bikinis and, and have money for production. We didn't even think that through. We got to Hong Kong, we couldn't work, we didn't have visas, we were legally unable to work. We also wanted to focus on the business. We were insane. And these are the kinds of insane decisions that you have to make over and over and over again when you're a founder and an entrepreneur. You have to be insane because it's not for the faint-hearted, it's for people that are willing and happily willing to put it all on the line to get, not to succeed, just to get to the next step. My new memoir, Hanging by a Thread, is being released on September 26th. You can pre-order your copy now by heading to Booktopia. We'll pop the link in the show notes. So it was probably a couple, maybe, maybe last year into this year, that I noticed, a friend and I noticed that quite a few businesses were closing down in the consumer-led industry. These are businesses that are not, they weren't startups, they were fully fledged, been around for quite a while, five, 10 years under their belts, and they were closing. They weren't selling, they weren't rebranding, they were just closing down. And this was just such a shock to me. I mean, yes and no, you know, we're, we're post-pandemic, a lot of businesses just couldn't survive, although these were online businesses predominantly, which probably really, you know, a lot of online businesses did really well during COVID because we were just all at home shopping all the time and doing nothing else. So these businesses that I saw, I was personally affected by some of them closing down. They were businesses that I shopped from, businesses that I really admired, that had been around for a really long time, had really strong brand equity, in my opinion, as an outsider, these brands look like they were doing really, really well. Bang, they closed down. As a customer and also as a fellow founder, I felt really sad and confused at what was going on. It really baffled me. I had no idea what the reasons behind and it made me you know, ask all these questions inside just thinking, did they just want to just close up shop because it was like they were fulfilled and they were happy and it was time to move on? Was it not working and no one had any idea and they just gave up because it became too hard? Did they actually just honor their highest intentions and say, you know what, this is not for me anymore because these businesses wouldn't have just had one member of the team. They would have been employees, you know. There's a lot to close down when you decide to close down a business and it really just got me thinking so much about how and why and just like what on earth was going on. And the main question that I really did ask myself was, did they get everything they wanted from that business? Did it really, did they, did they get everything that they, did they give and get everything they wanted? That story and these stories of closed businesses, this is the other side of being a founder that 
that doesn't get the recognition because it's so bloody glorified to be a founder. We see the positive stories and the great stories and the incredible overnight success stories that I had. But you know, it is the hardest role you will ever have if you are interested in having a business or interested in business to own your own business. It is truly, truly, truly not for everyone. It really isn't. It is, you go into these things and you're on your own and you're making these decisions and your whole business rests on and then you decide, do I hire someone? Do I get rid of them? Do I hire someone else? Do I go this way? Do I do this marketing? Do I do that? You know, when I talk to these, to, to anyone that has a business, the questions are endless and they are questions that come from uncertainty because we don't know everything as a founder. We can't know everything as a founder. And not only do we not know everything, we also don't even know how to ask where to go and how to like we just there's never there's no linear line in being a founder to get anywhere it is a complete clusterfuck of go this way go that way go this way go that way go this way go that way so i said before that being a founder is so glorified and it is you know but the thing is you can still be a careerist and have hustle mentality and be a go-getter and want to reach the stars and not have to have a business. It's this crazy thing where everyone's like, oh, now I need to go and work for myself because I'm not gonna achieve these heights of success or I'm not gonna feel fulfilled or I can't hustle, I'm gonna be confined between these four walls. And some people, yes, but you you don't, if you have that mentality of like, I want to go for it, that doesn't mean you have to be a founder. It just means you have to potentially find the right company, possibly work for a founder, to therefore fulfill your hustle mentality and the, the way you want to go 100 miles an hour at getting what you want done. After the break, I'll be sharing the pros and cons that will help you decide if you should be a careerist or a founder. You guys love asking me questions about business and self-care and I love answering them. So off the back of that, I've created Love Notes, which is like having a little chai tea with me in your emails. Sign up on my website, erindeering.com. It is the very best way to stay connected and keep up to date with any upcoming events, giveaways, and all the other good little stuff. Now, back to the pod. So you might be wondering, which one is for you, careerist or founder? You might be sure, but you might not be sure. Anyway, so I'll give you, I'll give you a few little pointers that might help your decision-making if you're a little stuck. So careerist is great for a work-life balance, right? So you get in at 9 a.m., you clock off at five o'clock, you don't have to really take your work home with you. It's pretty rare if you do. Especially I find these days, most people are like, oh no, it's outside of work hours. I didn't get your email that you sent at 5.05 p.m. You're like, okay. <laughs> so if you want a work-life balance, then careerist might be your option because being a founder or an entrepreneur, this is a funny thing, right? Because you think you're going to have all this time to yourself when you're a founder. You think that you can, you know, cause you're like, I can work when I want. I don't have to do nine to five. It's like, no, you don't. You're gonna do midnight to midnight. You're gonna literally work 24 seven as a founder because no one else is gonna do the work that you need to do. Or if someone else is gonna do it, you're not really gonna trust them enough and you're gonna end up doing it over the top of them or doing it again. It is, there are no boundaries when it comes to being a founder. It is all on you. It is the most consuming Thing 
you could ever do. <laughs> and the biggest trick, I genuinely laugh at myself just thinking when we started triangle thinking, oh, I get to work for myself. It's so amazing. I work, I can work from bed. And it's like, yeah, you'll work from bed when you pick your laptop up at 5 a.m. after going to bed at 1 a.m. and literally like only giving yourself enough sleep to be able to function the next day. Like that's that was my working from bed. It wasn't this joyful experience of like, oh, yeah, woohoo. It was hellish to be honest. But you're working towards a goal when you're a founder and no one else is going to pick up the slack if you don't pull your weight. So it's a pretty intense experience. Not for everyone. Now, before I freak everybody out and you all think, oh my God, this is definitely not for me, careerists work in hours, but founders work in seasons. So, you know, yeah, I was doing these 20 hour days, like, but that was for about four or five months. And then I was able to bring it back to sort of being, you know, more like a like an, an 18 hour day. No, it was more like a 12, 13 hour day. But it is seasons because you are, especially at the very, very beginning, you know, you have this little before launch, you're busy, but you're not insanely busy before launch and then launch hits. And then a lot more work starts after that because that's usually when you realize that you're not selling as what you thought you would or maybe this is that. And then you have to like make all these decisions and pivot and move that way and go that way. So being a founder is definitely about working in seasons. It's not always going to be 20 hour days if you do it well and if you get through the first six months, but it definitely has these periods of absolute intensity going, you know, all the time. So people always ask me, what shows I watch or they talk about shows that they watch. This is probably why I'm really glad that I'm not a careerist, even though it's, this is why I'm not one because I can't watch anyway. But I like people are like, oh, have you watched so-and-so? Or did you see this? Like, I can't even believe I went and saw the Barbie movie. That's the first movie. Well, it's the first movie I've gone on my own too. And it's the first movie I think I've seen in a cinema for like six years. I don't watch shows. I would rather sleep. When, when like I get that, when my kids eventually go to bed and I have that time to myself, I'm in bed because I'm not watching no shows. I'm not like, you don't get time. Anyone that has time to watch shows that's a founder, I'm in awe of you. I don't know how you're doing it. I need to know your secrets. I cannot find any time to watch a show, like none, like zero. I also, if I put a show on and I did this last week cause I was sick and I, I put on, some, and just like that. I put on Sarah Jessica Parker, I love her icon. And I put it on in the background, but I sat on the couch and I just worked. And then I would look up every now and again and be like, huh, <laughs> I didn't even know what was going on. And then, so now I get to say, I watched this show, but don't ask me what was in it because I have no fucking idea because I was half watching it while working. Another difference between careerists and founders that I like is that careerists do have a ladder to climb, which is amazing. You know, you've got this, this sort of plan in front of you to to know that you're gonna get and you're gonna go and you're gonna go and you go up and up and up. And that's fantastic, you know? It's there for you to climb. It's there for a reason. People like those, those goals, you know? It's nice to be able to see an end goal or see where you can possibly go if you do X, Y, and Z. Whereas founders have to build the ladder. I mean, founders are usually sitting at the bottom in the dirt, wondering how they're gonna get up there and they're just like stuck and they don't even know. Or I even like to say that the difference between a careerist and a founder is that a careerist is climbing this ladder like out of, you know, maybe like out of the water, like out of the pool, like a ladder out of the pool. Whereas founders are 
drowning without an aid. Like, they can't, can barely keep their head above water, which, to be honest, is truly one of the most common founder comments that I get is people saying, I can barely keep my head above water, whereas careerists have a nice little ladder to get themselves out and into dry land. <laughs> All right, guys, so it's time to do the work. Now, if you're a careerist and you're tempted by the idea of being a founder or the idea of having a business or just this other career option for you, here's three things that I think could be a good little bit of advice for you. So the first one is that consider being, you know, aiming to be the second, third, fourth in charge. You know, get yourself into a role where you have a little more autonomy, a little more freedom to move about as you please. It's closer to being a founder and it might make you feel a little more fulfilled every day. There's security in it. You're wanted. You're paid well. You know, it's a good little, it's a good little path. Number two is work for a founder. You would be bringing the structure, you would bring the routine, the stability, the security that a founder actually needs. You know, founders often are not great business people. So you could bring that business structure into a founder's world. Therefore, you would be working alongside this founder. It would be a lot more of an autonomous role. You would have a lot more freedom during your day without the pressure of actually knowing that it's your business and that it all rests on you, essentially. And the third and final one is go and be a founder. Go and start a business. Go all in, jump in the deep end, dive straight in and give it a go because you won't know if you don't try. And for some people, you've got to just give it a go. Now for the founders, I've not forgotten about you guys. If you are wondering if founder life is for you, and I think every founder thinks that, at some point along the journey, if not often along the journey. But if you are really, really thinking this might actually not be what you're cut out for, there is no shame in going back into being a career girl. I know people that have had businesses, they've let them go, they might have been partners in a business or had one, they've let them go, they've gone back into more of a role where they're in a C-suite, you know, they're managing a company, they're up pretty senior, and they love it. The only thing that you shouldn't do is not try something that you're interested in trying. If you're a founder and it's not for you, go back and try a career role. You know, go back, if you wanna go back into big corporate, give these things a go and just see. You know, I think the biggest thing in, in both roles and both sort of career objectives for you guys is just give it a go. The worst thing that you could do is not try at all. So just give something a go. If it works out amazing, if it doesn't work out, just move on to the next thing. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Work. I'm releasing two of these guys a week, so be sure you hit subscribe to the podcast. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, you can also watch me on Spotify and YouTube. And if you are watching me, you'll see how bloody uncomfortable and hard it is to sit in these pants. All right, bye guys.